Thompson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wormold. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Rioli, spin, grips, goal, superb from the Eagles. Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Shake needs to be in perfect yells. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 Coming up on this week's show, we'll recap a much-needed win over the Gold Coast Suns, look at who's pushing for selection from the Beagles, and head back to Victoria for our first ever game at the newly renamed Marvel Stadium. Uh, but joining me this week, once again, please welcome to the show, Miguel Sanchez. How are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, nice to be able to talk about a win this week. Yeah, nice change of pace for a while, although... Not without its flaws, but we'll get to that in due time. Also joining us this week, the great man, Keys. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, good to be back. Welcome again for, for replacing Mr. KK for a week. I think we've got a pretty good record when Keys is on the show, or at least that's what I'm rolling with. Uh, I didn't do the calculations beforehand to back that up, but here we are. All right. Might as well dive straight into it. The uh, the big story over the weekend, the match against the Gold Coast Suns, and it was a bit of an interesting one. The true tale of two halves, you could say. It was uh, 11-14-80 versus 8-9-57 in the end. So on paper, it was a solid, albeit unremarkable win. But the story probably dives a little bit deeper than that. Miguel, do you want to start us off? Just take us away with your early thoughts about everything that happened in that game and what to make of the two halves. Well, yeah, it looked great until um, I thought the rot set in about probably five or ten minutes before halftime. Um, oh, the rot is, is a strong way of putting it. But, yeah, up until up until that point, we were looking great. It was good to see that the intent was back. Um, but, you know, the winning the hard ball and the tackling when we didn't have the ball was uh, was much better than it had been over the, first, uh, first, over the last couple of weeks. Um, we looked really... Um, looked really sharp going forward. Um, really had the game on our terms, um, certainly in that second quarter. Um, just yeah, just before half time, I thought we started to um, show signs of some of the malaise that we'd had in previous weeks. You know, they were fumbling. Um, there was less clean ball movement. There was uh, the players was going back to the old habits of panicking and hacking it forward, and hacking a kick around the body, um, and that continued. In, throughout the second half um, so what was looking like it was going to be a really good morale boosting and percentage boosting win um, uh, we were up by 39 points at half time and I think we got up by about 42 at one stage it was the, the biggest it got to and then um, it was real shitting the pants stuff when Collingwood, uh, Collingwood <laughs> Gold Coast we were playing like Collingwood um, yeah, closed to within 11 points in that last quarter it was yeah, getting very nervous but yeah, luckily we um, we steadied and got a couple of late goals to make that margin look a little bit better than, um, than it had done. Uh, so, yeah, um, good to get back on the winners list. And uh, some players, particularly Darling, but I thought Cripps as well, um, found a bit, bit of form that had been lacking. Um, but, yeah, certainly uh, nowhere near capturing the form that won us the premiership and, and the form that we were showing in the season. 
No, and I think that's what makes this a bit of a difficult one to unpack because, yes, the win was nice and certainly the first half or the bulk of the first half was terrific, but there were a couple of red flags that were uh, on full display and they're certainly similar red flags to those we've seen in recent weeks. Keys, you weren't on the show last week when we talked about how we'd fix the club and, and basically it just kept coming back to effort and intent. Now, as Miguel's just touched on then, that was right up at the start. But uh, from where you were sitting, what was your take on, on what caused the big fall away towards the second half? I Yeah, I think it was, as Miguel said, like up until you know, five or ten minutes before half-time, I think everything was pointing in the right direction. I think you know, the midfield was functioning. You know, we were Darling and Kennedy were clunking marks and looking dominant. And, you know, everything was sort of going well and then like you know we were kind of looking like a million bucks and then I think the players thought they were too and I think a little bit of rising started to creep into the game a little bit I think they've got a I think they might have got ahead of themselves a touch and they started stuffing around with the ball a bit and, and, and just doing some dumb things and I think you know we sort of lost that sort of five minutes or so before half-time, I think we lost all that momentum, and when we came out after half, we, we, we couldn't get it back, and, and I think as the as the game wore on, uh, Gold Coast got that little bit more confident of, of what they were doing and what was working, and whilst I don't think we're ever, I didn't really think we are ever going to lose, but it got a lot closer than what it ever really should have until, you know, you know sort of took the bit between the teeth, and um, sort of stamped his authority on the game and, and we closed it out, you know, reasonably well in the finish. But, geez, it was some pretty ordinary football there for a little bit. Well, you're a braver man than I because when it got down to about 11 points, it was really, really nerve-wracking times at that moment. I think we kicked one goal for about 50-ish minutes of football, you know, you know, 40, 50 minutes of football, which is obviously pretty farcical. Miguel, you touched on Jack Darling earlier, and uh, Key's just now touching on that yo goal as well that was so crucial. But yeah, Darling's first half in particular was was a return to form for him. You know, he looks like a man among boys in some regards. A lot of pack marks, pushing people around, kicking a couple of goals, and then he did cap it off with what would become the sealer at the end. Uh, he needed a big response. He's been down for a while. So Miguel, what was your takeaway from Jack Darling's game? Yeah, he really he seemed to have found his confidence in the first half. Um, he was leading up at the ball. Um, and they didn't have the ball. He was tackling. His, his tackling was quite ferocious. There was one where he sort of mm. it looked like sort of sideways at the player and ended up sort of brushing off him. But it was a at least a really um, showed some real intent in trying to lay the tackle. I know the tackle you're talking about, and it got a big cheer as well, almost you know universally across the ground. I think that shows that people obviously know where the pressure was at, or at least there was a bit of rumbling about some pressure. So it was quite a relief to see him absolutely body that bloke early in the first quarter, yeah. Yeah, um, and he he took a mark um, in the first quarter and sort of had a reasonably difficult shot at goal. And I thought at that stage, oh, you know, if he kicks this, he'll be on. Um, yeah, he, he missed it by not by much, but it, yeah, he just um, looked from the get-go to be um, sort of running above the ground again and it would help that he was getting a lot more supply than the forward line has in the, um, the past couple of weeks. And I think that's probably as much as anything to do with his um, with his quiet sort of third quarter and most of the fourth quarter that um, yeah, we didn't get any clean supply in the forward line in, those, uh, in that time. 
Yeah, 50 inside 50s this week, uh, which was equal second most that we've had this season. We had a game with 51 as well. But it was a little bit of a return to form for the forwards, especially early, obviously. Frustratingly for me, and it's something I've been harping on for a little while, is the forward structure was uh, almost non-existent in the second half, certainly quite drastically different in the second half. And I think for me, that's what led to a few of our issues. I've, I've no, I say, you know, I've been harping on it for a while, but... They keep getting sucked in, the bigs, the Kennedys and Darlings, these sorts. They're getting sucked in further and further, higher and higher up the field. And there's just so many frustrating moments where we get the footy and have nothing ahead of the ball to do with it. And I think that's why you see a lot of the ill-advised kicks back into the corridor or you know, people hanging around getting caught holding the ball. So I find that pretty frustrating. But you know, with that said, look, ultimately still it was a bit of a bounce-back day for the forwards in some regards. Keys, your thoughts on the forward mix this week and a bit of a return to form from that group? Yeah, I think, like I said, in the first half, it was looking good. I think uh, after half-time, I think Gold Coast put a, a next put a spare back in, in defence. Um, and he was sitting... I mean, I was directly behind the goals at the eastern end. You were in the Gold Coast cheer squad, were you not? Uh, yeah, yeah, the five of them, yeah. So, <laughs> oh shit, you're not. That was about all that was there. Yeah, it, it sort of threw us out. But I think it's just that thing that with Oscar Allen as being, he sort of replaced Lacroix in the forward line. and He's more of a marking player than what Lacroix was. Um, so I think they're, they're tending to get in each other's way a little bit. They've, I think, in fairness to Alan, I mean, Lacroix, Darling and Kennedy played, you know, for 100, 150-odd games together. So they had a really, really good understanding. Mm. And I think they're just trying to get that understanding together as a, as a group. Um, but with too, too often we're going, you know, we, we're kicking to a pack and there's five, six guys flying for the ball. And then we're not getting the crumbers at ground level as, as much as we should be. So I, I don't quite know what the answer is, but we need to be getting the ball in quicker than... And I think that was the difference in the first half. We were getting the ball in there quickly. And I think there was a passage of play in the second quarter, and that's when I thought yeah, the rock was starting to sit in. We had the ball in our forward pocket, deep in the forward line, and it was a, I think it was a boundary, might have been a boundary throw, and we had it close to the boundary. And somehow, without Gold Coast playing a finger on the ball, it ended up in the opposite pocket in defence. So we've gone from inside our own 50 to inside their 50 without a Gold Coast player actually touching the ball. And it was, it was actually painful to watch. You know, we weren't, we weren't attacking the goals the way we were earlier in that quarter. It was almost as if. I don't know, I thought it was just going to happen again. Yeah, on that one, I think that's probably a, an example of a few people on the board were seeming to suggest that Gold Coast were sort of just letting us play our game, which they were, to be fair, and obviously we've got a bit of proof last season and we've now got a bit of proof this season that when you let us play our game, we will play it to a good extent and we'll put a good brand of footy out there, pretty attacking brand, but it's that countering when teams crack down and not to knock the Gold Coast because they've been better than advertised, but... You know, when teams don't let us play our game or when teams bring up a little bit more of an early challenge, uh, yeah, how we react and, and how we get on top of things. Uh, talked about the intent earlier and especially early in the game. The midfield intent was right up. 
Ben Yoey, a few heroics towards the end, really stamped the, uh, his authority on the game, as Keys touched on earlier. Miguel, what did you make of Andrew Gaff's game? Um, just for myself personally, I thought it was probably his best game since return, and he seemed to be cutting out the blind snaps, you know, running through, running into his kicks a little bit more. So were you, were you pleased with his game or sort of much of the muchness from him for season 2019? Um, better than his games of the last few weeks. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I thought his, against Collingwood, his comeback game, I think it's his sort of high watermark for the season so far, but yeah, this week wasn't far behind it. Um, I don't know what his, he got his usual sort of 35 touches. I don't know what his disposal efficiency was like, but there was yeah, definitely a lot less of the sort of, yeah, the, the hack kicks and the, um, the blind kicks that ended up on an opponent's, on an opponent's chest. So yeah, certainly a lot better game from him, I thought. And I don't know whether that had something to do with the fact that she did seem to be spending a lot more time forward than usual. Um, those two, for whatever reason, just don't seem to be able to, play in the same midfield together and yes, Rashid coming out on the flank a lot um, on the weekend might have had something to do with Gaff's better game. Keys, Shuey, Yo, I thought Shuey was probably our best throughout consistently and then as you touched on earlier, Yo really put the nail in the coffin and, and stamped his authority in the fourth quarter. What did you make out of those guys? Yeah, I Yo was he was very, I mean he was noticeable in the end that he really came to the sort of party and I think he, he more than anybody sort of took the side with him. But should we, should we, I think just as a collective, I think the midfield functioned better. I know I don't honestly know what changes yeah we made as as a group, but the balance seemed to be better. I think as I mean without going back, I mean Gaff rather than getting the kicks inside, he, he was sort of getting the moving past, getting the ball out in the open a bit better. So when he was kicking the ball, he was running forward. I just think we got the balance better as a collective across the ground. Um, whether that was because Shuey was in there more or or quite what, I don't know. But, yeah, we just needed to use the ball better. And that's what we were doing the first half. And I think we lost the, we lost the dare in the second half in terms of going forward and sort of reverted back to... The, the chippy sort of game that we've, we've fallen to a trap sometimes where that kick mark works, but it only works when we're, we're sort of still moving it forward a little bit. And sometimes I think the players get a bit caught up in it thinking, well, that's what we've got to do. And if it misses a target, then the whole thing falls, falls apart. And we're not quite as clean as what we need to be for that game style just at the moment. It was talked about across footy media early on in the season. I think Collingwood had an early win against Richmond and everybody was heralding this great new kick mark game plan that Collingwood had invented, thanks to the Bulldogs blueprint from last year, I think it was. But basically that, yes, teams can emulate the short kicking, high possession game, but what they can't do is do it in an incisive manner. And I think that's where the big difference lay on the weekend in the first half to the second half, you look at our first couple of inside 50s, you know, we'll take some play on in the back line and then really storm up the field. And it's a lot of short possession, but it's short possession in the right direction. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be something to watch, getting the ball in the hands of the Hearns, the Jettas, and then having a bit of a bit of dare and having, you know, the gumption to go forward and actually make something of these short passages of play. Miguel, I'll start with you. I'll give you guys both the same question. Miguel, we'll start with you on this one. A win like that, you know, obviously you mentioned it is good to be in the winner's circle again, but does a win like that raise more questions than it answers, given the questions we had coming in 
uh, we still seem to have a few of them exiting and now we've got some new ones around, you know, mental fortitude and falling away or maybe getting ahead of ourselves. So where, where do you sit following a win like that? I don't think it raises any more questions. Um, it didn't answer some of the questions that we had coming out of the previous week, like, you know, where's our, where's our premiership winning form gone? Um, how are we able to, you know, switch it on and off sometimes? But yeah, look, it's good to get the win on. Um, get the four points. We show flashes of of our form, particularly in the second quarter when you know, Darling got going. And I think we kicked six straight goals, or we kicked six goals for the quarter anyway. So yeah, it's like where uh, certainly there's, there's questions that remain unanswered, but uh, it was a step in the right direction. But uh, yeah, I don't think it causes us any more issues that we had going in. Um, that we've clearly just got um, a lot of issues that still need to be addressed. Are you saying, I don't think we've got any answers, um, but I don't know that we've necessarily got any new questions. Yeah, I, I think that the main thing is we've got to win, and I think at the moment, uh, until until such times as we we can find our best form, you know, win, wins a lot gold. I think we just we just got to try and bank bank the wins as much as possible until until the buy and then hopefully I really do think whilst we're probably getting ahead of the, the run sheet but once you know that knowing Rioli return I think we'll be better for it um, we've just got to try and hold on and try and get as many wins as we can until those guys come back in but I, I don't think the club are shying away from it we're out of form we're not playing our best footy um Exactly why that is, it's hard to, to pin down. I think there's a multitude of, of reasons, but we've just got to keep getting those wins on the board. Yeah, I touched on it uh, on the board at some point in the, over the last couple of days. If we had recorded this on the final siren, I probably would have been just tearing shreds off the club and really getting stuck into a handful of players that I didn't think were good enough. Um, but as I watched more neutral games of footy, you know, the other games throughout the round, on the Sunday, and as I've thought about it a little bit more, I think it is just a really strange season. And it seems like a bit of a cop-out to say, I know, but most teams, probably Collingwood and Geelong aside, are having some big struggles, or they're certainly having games where they get pretty embarrassed. So for now, yeah, Keys, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Let's just keep banking the wins and uh, moving forward in the season, and then hopefully the cavalry is on the way. <laughs> Speaking of the cavalry, we've got the entire Beagles to pick from when we get to our changes later on. But Miguel, unfortunately, they come into this round off the back of a pretty brutal defeat at the hands of South Fremantle. Yeah, it was a real um, crash to earth after the, the big win over Claremont the week before. We had a few guys missing and sort of starting to go deeper into the um, into the top-ups, which um, didn't help. Um, most of them, most of the top-ups actually played reasonably well. Um, as a team, it can be difficult. I think if you know they, if a lot of those guys are playing and they haven't played, there were three of them that were making their debut. So you know, if the other guys haven't played with them much, then it could be difficult. Um, South Fredo played really well to their credit, um, controlled play for for most of the day. Uh, they won by about ten goals, just about ten goals, fifty nine points. Nine eighteen seventy two versus 2011-131. You could look at that and say inaccuracy, but the game wasn't really ever on. 
I mean, there was a patch in the second quarter where I thought the Beagles are starting to make a bit of a comeback and, and really arrest momentum. But uh, almost similarly to the Eagles, frustratingly, after halftime, it was a completely different story, which was fairly disappointing. Brendan Archie, big story coming out of the game from the Beagles and certainly from the Eagles' perspective. 32 touches, his best game for the season, and also he probably took what's going to end up as mark of the year. So, Miguel, what did you make of his game and, and how his role might look in an Eagles team going forward? Difficult to see him forcing his way into the team just off the back of that performance. Uh, he's, he's been down um, in weeks previous to that. Uh, he did he played really well. He linked up... Um, Linked up quite well. He, I don't think he kicked a goal, but he got forward a bit. Yeah, he was clearly our best player. Uh, yeah, just on top of the specky mark he took. Yeah, good to see. Matty Allen was quiet. Now, was Jackson he tagged? Nelson, I think. Just before we get on to Nelson, was Allen tagged? Because I've seen some reports that he was, and I've yeah. also seen reports that he actually just spent time forward, hence maybe the low numbers. So... He, no, he, did, he, he seemed to be in the middle. I didn't notice the tag. Um, he was certainly a lot quieter than he has been uh, in, in recent weeks. So, yeah, whether they did have someone running around with him, I'm not sure. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he did get forward and kick two goals, which was pleasing. Yeah, Nelson, uh, pretty good in the back line again. He's put a couple of good games together in a row. Um, Brooksby as well has put a couple of good games together in a row. And the Ruck um, had a really... Um, Really absorbing duel with Brock Higgins, who's one of the Waffles' form ruckman at the moment. Um, Higgins probably won the hitouts, but uh, Brooksby did his job, got around the ground. Yeah, he's uh, he's someone they could look at, particularly with massive. We'll get to selection, I suppose, but massive questions over the ruck at the moment. Yeah. Um, whether we continue to go one out with Allen or someone else backing up, or um, whether we bring in a second, and if so, who it is, and um, no Hickey's a test this week. Vardy out of form, and even though Simo was um, quite complimentary about the role he he'd performed, I didn't. Um, I thought his his spot would be under pressure, even if Hickey doesn't come back. Uh, so yeah, Brooksby played well. Um, Hamish Brayshaw apparently got turf toe, which is disappointing. He had a, a few good games in a row, and. I've started to press, but he's now out for up to a month. Bailey Williams continues to um, develop in the forward. Two, he's sort of become the main focal point there with Waterman um, being out. And yeah, he's you know, for a guy that's six foot six, his athleticism something else can go in the ruck and chop out as well. Mutimer was missing. Who else was in the back line? Edwards had a reasonably good game, I thought considering that his direct opponent kicked six goals on him. Yeah, pretty misleading if you just look at the box score, but he didn't really have a lot of help on the day. Uh, who's getting... Um, Mason Shaw was getting good delivery. No, Mason Shaw's a very capable WRFL forward. I mean, he's, and he's given us trouble in the past um, with better, you know, more experienced defenders than uh, Edwards playing on him. So I think, I think I'm right in saying, I think Mason Shaw kicked six goals straight or six goals one maybe, so... Yeah, that probably hasn't helped his his cause either. You know, if he if he missed a couple of shots, then maybe it doesn't look so bad for him. Yeah, four two and six straight are very different days at yeah. the office. But Edwards has been pretty uh, impressive in the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, definitely, and he's he's really getting the number one um, forward each week, and that's sort of I think the first bag he's had kicked on him, which is pretty amazing for you know, an eighteen year old key defender. Trying to think who else stood up. Um, Josh Smith kicked two goals but didn't notice him too much. Um, Ainsworth didn't notice him too much. 
Uh, McInnes might have kicked two goals as well. Uh, had his usual McInnes game. He's, you know, he's a really good waffle forward. Uh, Rotham, have uh, you touched on Rotham? I actually thought he was quite good. I thought he'd probably be our second best uh, behind Arche. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. What did you like about his game in particular? Uh, there's a couple of intercept marks when that hack kick comes out of the back flank for, uh, for South Rio. I thought he sort of pushed up quite high. It was a dirty day for the defence in general. I uh, can't actually recall any specific instances of you know great isolation defence from him in the 50, but I just thought you know that, that press up. Um, I actually think he's pushing for a case in the Eagles, not as a key defender, which obviously isn't a role that particularly suits him. But when people are mocking him into the Eagles on changes threads and the sort, it's usually for Schofield, whereas I wonder if there's a role for him for a Duggan or a Cole, you know, going forward, but maybe we will look at that when we get to our changes. Um, just while we're talking about the waffle, Matt Allen, keys, his last couple of games in waffle footy, 25 touches, 21 touches, 24 touches and a goal. There was the big groundswell of support for him to come in for the Gold Coast game. It didn't eventuate, and he's finished up with 16 touches and two goals, admittedly, but, you know, a quiet day at the office for him. So have we? do you fear that we've maybe missed the boat on Matt Allen making an entry into the Eagles side anytime soon? Yeah, I, possibly. Um, you know, I, I, was, I, was pretty, I was a bit disappointed that we didn't put him in for the Gold Coast game. I think that was that was going to be a good game to bring him in for, I thought. Um, I like his experience midfield, uh, home game. You know, give him a run, see what he can do. I mean, it wasn't as if you know our midfield's been firing on all cylinders. So I thought there was an opportunity there to bring him in. Uh, now, you know, I don't quite... It's it's hard to see. If they didn't bring him in last week, it's hard to see them bringing him in this week. Miguel, your thoughts on that? Is there a chance we've maybe left it a little too late and we'll have to wait for another purple patch of waffle form from Matt Allen? Yeah, I think so. He's really looking like he's in the Partington boat from a couple of years ago where, you know, he's going to need to put up weeks and weeks of sustained really good form to put the pressure on to get in for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I think we all had him in our changes last week and um, didn't eventuate. The only, in fact, the only change apart from the, the late change was um, for Brander to get dropped, which hmm. I think unanimously we all said shouldn't happen because you can't keep doing that to the kid. Uh, but they did. He went back. He had a quiet game in the waffle as well. Um, as usual, he was thrown all over the ground. It, you know, started off, I thought he started in defence. Difficult to tell I thought he was in defence early, but then he was on the wing and up the ground. Um, probably yes. spent more time running off the wing. Um, Just with Brando, is it is it time that we we settled on a position for him and just say, look, we're going to give you a run of five or six games in this position and, and leave him there? I think at the moment... Um, he, he's spending a bit of time forward, he's spending a bit of time back and a bit of time through the midfield. And I don't really see how that's aiding his development. I think with um, with their injury for us, I think there's a spot for him and just say, look, we're going to we're going to throw you down at 10.5 back and this and leave you there for five or six weeks. Um, and hopefully put the, put the pressure on um, Schofield for that key defender spot. I was just about to say the same thing. And the added bonus with that, I think, as well, is that it allows Rotham to, uh, to sort of maybe play on the third tall and, and be a bit more of an interceptor and a rebounder rather than 
he's sort of having to hold down centre half back at the moment, which I don't think is really his best position. I mean, we'll look at it when we get to the changes thread, but uh, the, you know, the changes discussion, I should say. But when um, we come up against a St Kilda forward line this week that doesn't really boast, you know, not to do him a disservice, but some of the star forwards you see in the AFL are a, a bit of a calibre ahead of where St Kilda's forward line is at the minute. So might not be the worst shout. I mean, he does certainly seem to be lining up on the wing. Brander, this is uh, a fair amount, but then almost playing the Marston, you know, low low disposal or so I suppose low output role just doing a lot of backline running and he winds up in the backline more often than not. So I think that's probably the biggest or one of the biggest points of frustration from our board this season is just the use of Brander. And uh, it's certainly something we'll look at as, as we keep going through. Uh, Miguel, any other takeaways from the waffle for you before we move on away from the twos? I'm trying to think if there's anyone I left out. I, um, no, that was probably it. I think they missed um, Watson, who's out for a, a couple of weeks, and uh, Mutimer as well down back. There are a couple of guys that have sort of really helped the helped the structure. Um, they were both missing on the weekend, and um, South Freo were pretty clinical and efficient going in. So I, it was one of those weird games where I think we actually won the inside 50 count, but uh, lost by 10 goals. And, yeah, it was yeah, the defence was a little bit all over the place. Yeah, it was a pretty dirty day at the office in general for the Beagles, uh, but they do have a, a week off now, and then they get a chance to redeem themselves going forward. So they play East Perth next up on Thursday the 16th of May, 7.10pm at Leadable Oval. That's the day before our clash with Melbourne, so it's a nice little back-to-back preamble to the weekend, a bit of Eagles footy back-to-back there, so get around the boys if you can. And hey, you might even meet a couple of the guys from the podcast. I know I'm planning on going down, and I'd suggest that it's a pretty safe bet that we might see one of you guys down there as well. Fair to say? Yeah, I haven't. I actually haven't been to a waffle game this year yet, so it's about time I'll bloody put my ass down the line. Yeah, I might be able to squeeze it into my very busy um, social schedule as well. Very good. Have the podcast reunion, so come along and meet us, and you know, catch a game of football as well while you're at it. Nice little bonus there. Injuries. We touched on it earlier. There are a couple. There is a few major developments in terms of timelines being given and star players rejoining the fray. So pretty important week, I suppose, on the old St. John of God injury report there. First one, or at least the most immediately pressing one, is Tom Hickey, listed as a test, obviously a late out with a light hamstring strain was what the club deemed it as. Whether or not he's good enough to get up and face St Kilda this week, it's obviously uh, something we'll be watching pretty closely. Miguel, you just touched on probably Brooksby in for Vardy, if not. Uh, yeah, that'd be my change. Um, Vardy, I mean, he did did a reasonable job of, even though he, he lost the hitouts, I think 60 to 30 to, um, to Wits. Uh, Wits didn't sort of give, um, I haven't seen the stats on what he got to advantage, but he didn't, even though he, he won two-thirds of the hitouts. He didn't seem to give Gold Coast first use of the ball much. Um, we won the clearances more often than not. So, um, yeah, Vardy performed his role in, in creating a contest there, but he just just didn't really offer anything at all around the ground, um, which is, is something he used to be pretty decent at. So I don't know what's going on, but I think it'd be worth trying. If, if Hickey's not going to get up, it'd be worth trying Brooksby in that role because um, he has offered a bit around the ground. Um, at, um, and St Kilda have probably one of the weaker ruck divisions at the moment. Uh, so be worth giving him a try, I think. 
Uh, just on the injury front, we've got Jake Waterman listed as a test, and Simo made mention of him in the press conference today, saying that he'll get some opportunities. Now, whether that means this week or whether that's just saying going forward, he's obviously been in nice form in the waffle, but he's also, you know, missing a little bit of match fitness. He hasn't played for a while. Uh, Willie Rioli, Keys, you touched on it earlier. He's listed at one to two weeks. Do you think there's any chance he comes straight in, or would you expect some time in the waffle first before he returns? Um, yeah, I've been thinking about that since it sort of came out that he was perhaps going to be ready next week. I have the sneaking suspicion they're going to bring him back straight back in. I mean, he did play JLT. He played both the JLT games. And we've shown with both Cripps and Kennedy in particular that we're prepared to bring guys in without having a run through the waffle, whether an important structural player. Um, so it's a matter of how much running and fitness base they've got into to really before next week. But I, I, I suspect they'll bring him straight back in. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do. But I think in the injury report, I think they said if it wasn't a buy this weekend for, for the Beagles, uh, he would have been a chance to play. So I'm not quite sure if, if that changes the thinking of bringing him straight back in or not. Um, it means that they were perhaps thinking about bringing him, bringing him through the waffle, but that extra week's break might give him enough time to get some conditioning on the track and, and bring him straight in. So as much as that doesn't do someone's bet all that much good, <laughs> I, I, I do feel that I've got a sneak suspicion they're going to bring him back in straight up. Something else to consider there as well. I mean, look, he's going to have to bite the bullet eventually, but uh, the Optus Stadium turf has been in the in the gun a little while, copping a bit of criticism for the hard turf there. So next week, we obviously are back at Optus. Uh, so something to watch there on the Rioli front. Nick Nat, he has returned to the main group. He's back in main training as of today, the Wednesday. And Tom Barras was given an 8-10 to 10 week timetable. Pretty frustratingly, because I think on the broadcast at the weekend, he was on... Uh, some sort of halftime interview, and he said six to eight. So the official report says eight to ten. Pretty disappointing, but I think if we can hold the fort for long enough, that still gives him a pretty good lead-up into what should hopefully be a finals campaign for the club. Uh, just rounding off the injury report, Jared Cameron, one to two weeks. Francis Watson, two weeks with the shoulder, stretched off last week in the waffle. Uh, and Hamish Brayshaw, Miguel, you touched on earlier with some turf toe, which is something that can... Quietly unseat a season, if you know what I mean. It's um, it's pretty disappointing, but we'll get onto Brayshaw a little later on in question time. And then lastly, Patrick Bynes. Miguel, your man. He exists. The club's acknowledged him. There's photos of him having surgery. He is TBC with a hernia. So uh, somewhat of a result, at the very least. They've acknowledged that he exists. Yeah, that's always good to see. I was a bit worried that yeah, he was going to be this year's Ryan Burrows. Um, but, yeah, he uh, you know, made headlines... Or- earlier or before the waffle season started as potentially not yet being ready for waffle seniors um played the one game had about two touches uh and then uh, disappeared so i don't know when his hernia actually kicked in but um yeah he's uh he's not going to be pushing for afl selection this year let's put it that way no pretty disappointing uh start to the footy career for the ex-basketballer but there we are with the injuries That 
brings us pretty nicely to some changes that we will be looking to make in the side this week and the people who are indeed pushing for AFL selection. Brings us to the St Kilda game, round eight. We play the Saints at Marvel Stadium this Saturday, 5.25pm Western Standard Time. Keys, we'll start with you. Uh, the Saints off the back of a, a rough fortnight and the Eagles obviously have been a little bit up and, up and down. So what are the key areas you're going to be watching for in this game? I think it, particularly against St Kilda, one of St Kilda's strengths is is around the ball. They are a pretty good contested side. Um, and when they're playing well, they do bring a pretty good effort. So um, that's going to be you know, a pretty good litmus test for the guys away from home, whether or not we can um, get on top of them through the middle. If we can do that and we can break, you know, if we can get enough supply, I think our forwards have, you know, probably got the ability to get on top of their back line. And I think our, our back six can should be able to control their forwards as long as the, you know, the ball coming in is not too clean. So it all happens around the middle. And I think I was going to look it up, but I, I think we've it's been a while since we've lost to St Kilda, but I think the games we've we we haven't really towed them up for for a little while now. Um, I think last last year was the game where. Well, we, we were leading by eight or nine goals at three quarter time, and then fell in over the line by a couple of goals. Yeah, you know, they, they, I think Tim Memories sort of went on a tear and did a Scott Lucas impersonation and, and brought them back into the game. So I think it's going to be what Simpson's been harping on for a while, and it's it's just getting our hands on the ball. That's and and that's where we've got to um, do it, and we and we're going to have to absorb. St Kilda will know, and as as all sides know now, um, if you put us under pressure, we we can fold. So we're going to have to be ready for that and and absorb St Kilda's pressure as well. I think a pretty big matchup in general that we're going to need to watch is that St Kilda backline versus West Coast forward line dynamic because the Saints backline is fairly young. Uh, they dropped Nathan Brown last week, and Jeremy Cameron responded by kicking six goals last week. Obviously, he's in ridiculous form, so not an easy cover by any stretch. But the Saints' backline clearly can be had. Uh, they're a young group, guys like you know Wilkie, Joyce, Battle, these sorts of guys, McKenzie. Uh, there's a couple of experienced heads down there, but you'd suggest that Brown would be earning a recall. Miguel, at the start, we talked about a bit of a bounce back for Jack Darling and indeed a bit of a bounce back for Jamie Cripps. What are you expecting out of the forwards this week? And is that a matchup we can be looking to exploit? It's certainly one we can look to exploit, provided we um, we get them enough ball. I think, as Keith said, we um, in the, the two games before the Gold Coast game, we were getting you know, below 40 inside 50s. So um, you know, if we do that again, then it's not really going to matter what sort of form Darling and Cripps are in, it's going to be very difficult to kick a winning score. Um, so it, it starts in the middle. We need to get the ball in there. But yeah, once we, um, once we do get it in there, then, um, yeah, certainly I don't know whether Brown will come back in. Jonathan Marsh sort of, I think came out of obscurity to play full back for them last week. I think he um, played forward. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. I didn't see any of that game. Um, yeah, yeah, but I didn't see it. I just read he played forward. Yeah. They've got guys like um, uh, Dara Joyce, who's the Irishman, and um, Daniel McKenzie sort of pinch hitting and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's not the strongest back line going around. And um, uh, if Kennedy and Darling and Allen can keep out of each other's way, um, then 
yeah, it's, there's certainly matchups in there that we can exploit, but the onus is really going to be on the midfield to get it in there. Uh, while we're talking about the forward line, we'll get back to the game in just a moment, but we might as well do this one now. Jamie Cripps in line to play his 150th, uh, assuming he gets selected, which I would suggest that there's not a lot of doubt that he will. Uh, and sort of ironically, or somewhat, you know, in a nice little parallel, he's going to play his 150th against St Kilda where he started. Keys, we traded pick 40 and pick 43 for Jamie Cripps and pick 45 back in 2012. Josh Saunders played 22 games for the Saints. Brody Murdoch played 22 games for the Saints. Brant College only played three games for us, but Jamie Cripps, obviously the centrepiece of that deal moving home. Uh, how have you seen his, his tenure at the Eagles over the last couple of seasons? Oh, I think he's been one of our one of our better traits, to be honest. I think he's, he's one of those guys that, for whatever reason, seems to be not too far away from, from being a whipping boy, but I think yeah, he he's made a pretty good contribution to our side since he's been here. Um, I don't think anyone could seriously say that we've uh, we've lost down on that trade. If I remember rightly, I think one of the picks we traded St Kilda was one we got for Kobe Stevens. Yeah. So I think my my view was always that we basically, in effect, traded Stevens for Cripps. Um, whilst it wasn't as as simplistic as that, but that was, you know, you, you throw out all the steak knives and what have you. That's effectively how it washed out, and I think we ended up on on the right side of that. You know, Kobe Stevens, unfortunate concussion issues, issues notwithstanding, but Chris has been a great contributor, and I don't, you know, I don't think we can underestimate how how big an influence he's had in our forward line. Pretty workmanlike, he's, you know. Has some games where he really does tear it up, as evidenced earlier on this season, and then you know perhaps some games where he might not be the headline grabber. But Miguel, any chance of a big breakout game against the former side this weekend? Uh, again, it just, it'll depend on the sort of um, sort of supply he gets. But yeah, um, he's been you know, great. His his work rate, I think, is, is talked about by the coaches certainly as being one of the best in the team. So yeah, it does provide a bit of uh, forward pressure. Um, yeah, he kicked. Was it the Collingwood? He kicked four goals against. Indeed, um, yep. Yeah, that was our. So that was our last game in Melbourne. So um, yeah, he could. Uh, yeah, definitely do that again on the big occasion against his old side. I think it was Sam Mitchell when he came across. I think Chris was one of the players. He said he was both surprised by, in terms of, he didn't realise just how hard Cripps works. And I think there's there's times I think as as supporters I think we get too hung up on his, his goal output and we we forget what he does off the ball and then what that does is a as a contribution to the team and I think Simpsons quite often will, will say that, you know, there's games where he will get on he'll get on the end of a field and he'll he'll kick his three or four goals, but those games are no less important than the ones where he, he does the same amount of work and he might end, he might end up with with no goals or, or just a, a single goal and his contribution is still the same. It's been a, certainly we've won the trade, fair to say, but it's been a, a pretty solid West Coast career for Cripps, capped off with the Premiership last season, and yeah, all the best to him this week in his 150th. Keys, Rowan Marshall last week for the Saints, I had a, look, bit of look, uh, a bit of a look on the Saints boards, and they were wrapped with his game, 22 touches and two goals for the big man. Obviously, Vardy, we discussed a little bit earlier, perhaps didn't have the greatest game, albeit, you know, Simpson was pretty keen to defend him. 
So do you think uh, that the approach this week is going to go back to Hickey or Brooksby, maybe stick with Vardy, or we're going to go back to the two rucks? How do you counter the, that ruck battle there? I think I'm on the, of the opinion that Hickey's going to be right to come back in. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens if he's not, but I think Hickey's going to be right. Uh, so he comes back in, then then the decision becomes Vardy or Oscar Allen to come out, and I've, I've got a suspicion that it's going to be uh, Allen that comes out. I think that I think we we've got we're a two ruck side. I don't think that a sole ruck with a pinch hitter really works for us, and I think we need to with the prospect of Nat Nui coming back maybe after the buy. I think we need to get our structures set up around two rucks so that when he comes back in, we're not, uh, we can still sit with, with a two ruck set up because when he comes back, we're going to definitely need a second ruck because he's not, that no, he's never been 100% ground on, 100% time on ground. So I feel that it's going to be Hickey coming in and Oscar Alla coming out. If Hickey's not fit, I'm not so sure. The thing I like about Brooksby is he seems to be a fairly aggressive Sort of character, and I think that's. The, I think out of all the things we've missed from Lysett, I think that's what we've missed most. Is Lysett was a pretty aggressive bugger around the ball, and that's not Vardy. Uh, he's a bit more. He's not quite as physical as what Lysett was. I think we're missing that around. So if Icky doesn't come in, I'd like to see us bringing Brooksby and give him a run and just say, look, just crash into some bodies, and then definitely if Brooksby comes in, Vardy stays in, and, and Alan will go out because. We won't want to um, be relying on Brooksby to be our sole ruck for, for a game with just Alan chopping out. Miguel, we've addressed the ruck dynamic, uh, but I'll throw to you now for your changes and predictions for the game. So who do you think is in and out? Who do you think will win the game? And who do you think is going to be the best eagle afield this weekend? Um, well, my ins and outs have changed just off the basis of what Kai's said then. Um, he's convinced me. Um, <laughs> I originally had... I originally had uh, Hickey or failing that Brooksby in for Vardy, but um, yeah, I agree with you. And just off the back of um, what Simpson said in his press conference today um, about uh, Allen being 20 and not having rucked a whole heap before and we've got to manage him through the season and there being no waffle game this week, it's a week that they could convincingly rest him, say he needs a freshen up and um, we're worried about you know, if Hickey does come back in, we're worried about him um, getting through the whole game, so we need the two of them there. Um, or alternatively, you know, if it's Brooksby, then we need Brooksby and Vardy there. As much as I think that St Kilda are a team that we could afford to play one ruck against, um, yeah, I think we might go back to the, the two-ruck system, as Kai said. So Hickey, if fit, and if not, then Brooksby in for a debut, um, with Allen being rested. Uh, that would probably be my only change, I think. Um, one thing we didn't touch on in the injuries was, because he's not officially listed, but uh, Travis King on AFL.com said that um, Maston didn't train on Monday or only had only trained lightly and um, is in a bit of doubt. And you know, we have, in recent weeks, had someone come off the come out of the ether and um, not be on the injury list but miss during the week. Um, and Hickey was an example. Uh, so, question then, if Maston does miss, who comes in to replace him? Archie being, you know, having the most recent 
hit of form was the one that Travis King put up, but Josh Smith probably ahead of him just as a like-for-like. Um, maybe they could give Matt Allen a debut as well, but uh, that would involve shifting some parts around. Uh, otherwise, Brando could possibly come back in um, and play on the wing in, in Maston's sort of role, but I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll leave him in the waffle for a little bit longer. In terms of a change you could make and not having to shift all the other structures around, I would actually say that probably Brander's next in line for that role. But yeah, I don't think they're going to do it either. As you touched no. on and as we've touched on in the last couple of weeks, there's a, a real reluctance to, I don't know, give him a big stretch of footy and I, his waffle form certainly doesn't warrant it. So that'll be one to watch for sure, yeah. Yeah, so I think Smith probably the most likely to come in um, if Mastin doesn't get up. Other than that, I wouldn't have any other changes. Uh, the, the match committee showed that they're going to sort of back in the same guys over and over again, even after bad losses. So they're not going to make uh, too many changes after a win. This is certainly a game that we should win. Um, if uh, we're coming into a, a, a sort of a soft run of games, at, at least on paper, it doesn't look like there's really going to be any soft games this year, the way that um, the evenness of the competition is turning out. Um, but, yeah, this is you know, where we need to bank wins. So uh, if we can show the sort of form that we showed in the first half against Gold Coast, then we should be able to get over a, a pretty injury-depleted St Kilda. So I'll pick us by 22 points, say, uh, and our best of field, um, uh, let's say Darling, to uh, continue on from his, his strong showing last week and take advantage of the mismatches that we spoke about earlier. Keys, your changes for the week and also your prediction for how the game turns out. Yeah, well, I think I've pretty much said Hickey for Allen. Then I suspect, as Miguel said, I think that might be about it. I got, I have a feeling that uh, they might look, they'll look pretty closely at Waterman, bringing him in. Simpson's press conference today, he sort of said he'd get his opportunity. I, I've got a feeling that they, they want to bring him in. Um, if that's the case, I think it might be um, might be Venables to come out. I mean, Venables hasn't been in in great form, and I think even with you know as as a defensive forward, I don't know that his defensive pressure has been as good as it was last year. So I think maybe Waterman for Venables. I'd like to I'd like to see us find a way to get Rotham into the side because I think he's in pretty good form and the one who I think could come out would be Schofield but I don't think they'll do that I don't think they'll make that change because I think they like Schofield as the as the lockdown key position defender to allow McGovern to do McGovern things so even though with St Kilda's sort of not quite so tall forward line. Um, I don't know that they'll pull the trigger on that change. Even though I'd like to see it with Maston, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, if he's out, it might give um, Venables a reprieve if, if Waterman does come in. I think somewhere along the line they need to address Maston's role. I think as much as I, I hate harping on it because it's been a talking point on the board that's driven me insane, over recent weeks, but and we've all, I think we're all on the same page in terms of Maston has a role and it's not necessarily related to possessions, but I sometimes wonder whether or not 
we're getting the best out of that that role. Um, and I think we we do need to look at the midfield mix because apart from odd instances, there hasn't since Gaff's come back in the side. The mix that we've been running with, I don't think has been working, and I and I think part of the part of that problem is the way we're playing Maston as a purely defensive wingman. Whereas I think looking at other sides, I think they're attacking off both wings. So I think that's something that we need, we do need to look at, um, if not this week, but down the track when um, when Rioli comes back. So it's um, a long way of saying. Picking in, Allen out, and that'll be it. But I do think there might be one or two other changes. Uh, and a tip from you and Best Eagle? Uh, look, I'm not confident about this. I think, as I touched on earlier, whilst I think we've been managing to get over St Kilda in, in, in recent times, they have given us some trouble, I think, on their home ground, with their home fans and... I mean, there's not much noise of affirmation because there's only 50 there. I think we're we're still pretty right for the pickings. So I'm not I'm not convinced. I'm going to hedge. I'm going to say us by but only by six points. And I think that uh, McGovern best on ground. Um, he'll he'll be set up for a for a good game on the dry deck. For me, uh, Keith, I think you might like what I've got to say. I will be bringing Josh Rotham in as a bit of a somewhat of a curveball, somewhat of a maybe an unsuspected pick. I don't think there's anybody that's done anything particularly wrong or egregious to get dropped, and yet here we are. I think Rotham's in really good form. St Kilda's forward line are, are fairly tall. It won't be for Schofield because they'll like the Schofield on Bruce matchup, I would suggest. Uh, Bruce fairly quick, and Scoey's obviously got a bit of toe about him as well. It's a big-bodied matchup. It's a tough ask if you were to put uh, Rotham on him. So I'll say Schofield stays in. Rotham for somebody like Cole. I do think it'll be Cole or Duggan, and I'm just going to pick a name and say Cole. St Kilda's height, I think there is enough reason to, to play an extra tall or mid-sized, whatever you want to categorise Rotham as down there. Um, so perhaps a week for him. I've got Hickey in for Vardy, which I think explains itself. Now, in the thread, I did have Waterman in for Allen. That leaves us with the issue of no pinch-hitting Ruckman, which uh, we obviously won't do. So with that said, Keys, I am sort of in agreement with you that I think there is a spot for Waterman in the side. It might come at Venables' expense, but that leaves me concerned that we're too tall up top, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Uh, but for me, if I had to just put them right down on paper, Hickey for Vardy and Rotham for Cole. In terms of predictions, uh, we're all in agreement as well. Bit of a tough one. St Kilda, not an easy beat by any stretch. Hopefully the Eagles can show some class and some poise, get over the top by, let's say, three goals, and Josh Kennedy to get off the leash and kick an absolute bag. I do expect them to bring in Nathan Brown, but either way, uh, he's a good footballer. I'm not knocking him, but either way, let's hope that Kennedy can get into a good bit of form this weekend. That brings us into question time, and we've got one this week that is uh, a pretty interesting one, I think, for both of you as your avid Waffle fans. You would have seen a lot of this bloke playing some footy. Fletcher25 asks how Hamish Brayshaw compares to Angus and Andrew Brayshaw. Now, I think there's a pretty short and sweet answer to that, is that he's not as good. Uh, but I thought I'd twist it a little bit. Miguel, I'll start with you. What is your projection for what Hamish Brayshaw's career looks like at the Eagles? 
he needs to stop getting these bloody injuries that put him out for weeks at a time. Um, he's had issues with his knees, and uh, it's not ACLs or anything, but he's just he's had these really weird, exotic injuries that have um, kept him out. So every time he sort of he gets up a little bit of a run of form, no, he's now got turf toe, which is going to keep him out for a month. Uh, if he can get over that, um, I, I think there's the makings of a solid. Um, solid midfielder who could you know, break into the waffle into the AFL side. We are. It's been identified, I think, in one of the threads. We're we're pretty light on for um, midfield depth at the moment. Um, if he can get a run of form behind him, he could sort of get the opportunity and be the next one. But projecting his his career, uh, you'd say it's more likely than not that he won't make his AFL debut. I think, which is unfortunate to say because. Every time you hear him speak, he sounds like a, a ripper kid and you know, want the best for him, but uh, he's up against it at the moment, I think. Keys, your thoughts on Hamish Brayshaw? Yeah, I, I'd like to see him do well. I, I think he is a great kid. He's got he's got some good attributes, but I, I think uh, from what I've seen of him, the thing that's going to hold him back from succeeding AFL is he is slow, and I think... Compared to his two brothers, I don't think either of his brothers are particularly quick, but I don't think they're quite as slow as what Hamish is. Um, and I, I think that's going to be... I think he's he's got a good career as a at, at the next level down, so at Waffle or you know, if he goes back to Victoria, VFL level, I think he's going to be a good midfielder at that level and he'll, he'll, he'll carve out a good career at that. He might he might find a niche as a, as a depth midfielder, as someone that comes in and might play half a dozen or so games a season, he might get lucky and, and play a few more, but I, I think he's he's definitely just a depth midfielder. I don't know that he's going to become a prolific AFL player. Um, I really hope I'm wrong. I hope we persevere with him. He's out of contract end this year, I think. We are. I hope we persevere with him for another season at least, just to, to see how he goes and, and hopefully he gets a, a run where he can Sort of shake his his injury problems aside, and and maybe get a you know a little bit of leg speed, but um, yeah, I, I just I just don't quite see with his his lack of speed how he'll he'll cope at the next level up. I think he's just going to be um, that touch too slow in a game where increasingly midfielders have to be quick. probably do us for this week thank you as always for your questions thanks to Fletcher25 uh, for that one this week and as always if you do have any just let us know in the thread below or send any of us a message uh, it's a pretty solid crew we've had on this year and thanks again Miguel we'll start with you thanks again for coming on this week no worries I might be back next week my um, my tenure is getting more tenuous by the week yeah we'll have to do a big send off when uh, Rioli comes back against Melbourne next week. We'll, we'll make that happen before the team announcement is lodged officially. Uh, but in the meantime, we we have you this week, and it's been great chatting to you. Keys, we have you this week, next week, and hopefully for a lot longer as well. Thanks very much for coming back on. Yeah, no worries. I think I might have a, um, a bit of post-history to delete across the board. That um, I think there, there might be some betting posts that need to be removed from the from the board that yeah, we never no one ever saw. <laughs> we never brought them up. Far better for a uh, an Eagles board mod to edit somebody's post for the 
purposes of comedy. We've found out that apparently oh, that yeah, doesn't yeah, fly. Yeah, so. we, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, that went down so well with the North guys. G'day, Snake Baker, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Darling! Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it was good to be back on. Hopefully we have a win this weekend and I'll get invited back next week. Absolutely. That's the way. Uh, and yes, hopefully, you know, it's a good week for the Eagles. It'll be a really nice time for them to put the foot down and start flexing, start getting a little bit arrogant again. As I've said, thanks very much both to both of you guys for coming on and thanks to everybody for listening. Questions, as always, in the thread and hopefully a big week for the Eagles coming up. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.